Donald Trump gave his speech, and to be fair to Joe Biden, who we have been taking on quite aggressively here, and just saying, hey, journalists aren't doing their job, we should just say what's right in front of us, he's not cognitively well. He can't complete sentences without forgetting where he is, not being able to articulate words, enunciate words, it's not a stutter, as he says, it's very clear uh, he's, he, he's been struggling. Well, Donald Trump, if you watched this speech today, um, I was on the train, but I saw some of it after. Uh, Donald Trump doesn't seem so well either, to be honest with you. Uh, he was kind of mispronouncing words, um, looked like he just woke, out, woke up out of a, out of a coma, uh, looked like he had a little cold. Some people might argue there was something else going on with his sniffling, so... I'm just keeping it real. He don't look well. So we could have Biden, who could barely construct a sentence, could barely remember where he is, and is clearly there's there's some tape delay in that mind of Joe Biden up against Donald Trump, who's starting to fail. Uh, I hope that's not the case, but this could be an epic. I'll just do it. Show. I'm not gonna play the whole speech, but I'm gonna play the point that stands out to me and to me. Uh, tape delay, hours or decades. To me, this is what Donald Trump's whole war is about. This is why Mike Pompeo has been in his, in his ear all about. Uh, let's let's. This is why they want to have a war with Iran. Right here. The time has come for the United Kingdom, Germany, France, Russia, and China to recognize this reality. They must now break away from the remnants of the Iran deal, or JCPOA. And we must all work together toward making a deal with Iran that makes the world a safer and more peaceful place. We must also make a deal that allows Iran to thrive and prosper and take advantage of its enormous untapped potential. Iran can be a great country. Peace and stability cannot prevail in the Middle East as long as Iran continues to foment violence, unrest, hatred, and war. The civilized world must send a clear and unified message to the Iranian regime. Your campaign of terror, murder, mayhem will not be tolerated any longer. It will not be allowed to go forward. Let me explain what this is really about. First of all, and I've already been demonetized, who the f*** is Donald Trump or America to be dictating to a sovereign nation, even one that has sponsored terror in Iran? Who are you to say you could be a thriving country if you just do the things, do things the way we say they should be done? Who the hell do you think you are, President Trump? Who does the American military think they are? It is not for you to dictate how Iran acts. It is not for you to spread democracy. Spread democracy all over the world. Who are you to tell Iran how to be, how to operate? It's absurd. Absurd. So, number two, Donald Trump, when he says, could be a nation that thrives... What he's talking about, Donald Trump really wants to destroy Iran's oil capacity because Donald Trump, and that's why he's been sanctioning Iran 
And that's why he's been sanctioning other countries who accept oil from Iran and import oil from Iran. Because Donald Trump has said as one of his biggest economic um, policies is to make the United Corporations of America the number one oil exporter in the world. So when he says energy independence, no, 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 no. The energy, meaning the fracked methane gas and oil that we are creating, which is destroying the planet, that is not for us. That is being sold to other countries. And the money is going into Donald Trump's donors' pockets and Democratic Party donors' pockets. Donald, I mean, I'm not making this up. I mean, there's, there's plenty of articles out here for that. Donald Trump. Here's why Trump wants to shut Iran out of the oil market. Oil is big business in Iran, with exports accounting for more than a tenth of gross domestic product in 2017. The sanctions are designed to exert financial pressure by cutting the Islamic Republic out of the global market. Well, why would you want to cut the Islamic Republic, Iran, out of the global market? Because Donald Trump and the neocon military industrial complex oil fanatics around him are basically trying to seize the world's oil. That's why they're trying to democratically help take, you know, save uh, Venezuela from the tyranny of its democratically elected leader, Nicolas Maduro, because we're trying to steal their oil. It's all about the oil. That's what this is about. This is, you think Donald Trump cares that Soleimani was a, quote, bad guy? Please. Here's another one. U.S. will sanction whoever purchases Iran's oil. The United States will continue to impose sanctions on whoever purchases Iran's oil con- conducts biz- or conducts business with Iran's Revolutionary Guard, and no oil waivers will be reissued. Iran's crude oil exports were slashed by more than 80% due to reimposed sanctions by the U.S. after President Donald Trump exited last year's Iran 2015 nuclear deal. Oh, by the way, today he announced... Further sanctions. And, you know, I love how the corporate media, they just talk about these sanctions like, oh, and he's imposing more sanctions. Like, like they're no, like they're nothing. Sanctions is a form of violence. Sanctions is a form of war. Go ask the 40,000 people in Venezuela who have died because of the United Corporations of America's sanctions on Venezuela. And who knows how many people are hungry now. Or, or struggling, or dead because of our sanctions in Iran. But what Donald Trump is really trying to do, and, and I don't hear it talked about in the corporate media, he wants their oil, he, he wants to eliminate Iran so that the United Corporations of America can dominate the oil market. But there's another aspect here. Saudi Arabia is Iran's, one of Iran's biggest enemies. Well, Saudi Arabia has the largest oil company in the world, Saudi Aramco. Well, if Donald Trump can help Saudi Arabia eliminate Iran, which is a competitor to Saudi Arabia for the world's oil, uh, again, it's all about the oil, baby. If Donald Trump can help Saudi Arabia eliminate Iran in the oil market, hmm, does Donald Trump have... Any personal business relationships with Saudi Arabia? Because the corporate media have been going on and on and on about Russia for the last three years. Uh, Follow the money, Lebowski. 
All you got to do is look at the receipts. Donald Trump has been making money hand over fist from Saudi Arabia for the last 30 years. Donald Trump is trying to eliminate Iran from the oil market to help Saudi Arabia to put cash in his pockets. That is, if he does not go to jail when he, if he loses the presidency, because the Southern District, the Southern District of New York is not playing. Everybody's been was focused on Mueller. The Southern District of New York is going after Trump for money laundering, for his family, for the emolument. They're going after him for everything. All of this is smoke and mirrors. And I got news for you folks. And I'm about, uh, Jen pointed this out to me and, and sent me the clip. The corporate media views Donald Trump's speech today as some good thing. Oh, he was, you know, he scaled it back. He was presidential, blah, 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 blah. Are you f***ing out of your mind? Well, first, let me play this clip. This is CNN immediately after Donald Trump's stuttering speech where he looks like he just woke up out of a coma. And that is the response that the world was waiting to hear from the president of the United States. Gloria Borger, let me bring you in. What's your reaction? Well, my reaction to this is, first of all, that... Uh, the president made it very clear that he intends to continue uh, and invoke more economic sanctions against Iran. This, this was not a call for negotiation. This was a president who believes he is dealing from strength and said, we are going to double down here to a great degree. I think it was interesting that you saw all the generals arrayed behind him during, a, during this kind of a speech. We do not see that uh, when the president delivers uh, what is considered a political speech to the, to the nation, but they were standing there, um, and we have not seen that in the past. One other thing I also want to point out is the president uh, blaming Barack Obama for all of this, saying that uh, as a result of the Iran nuclear agreement, this is something he has said uh, in the past over and over again, that they went on a spending spree, as he called it, which was funded by money that they obtained uh, from the United States through this deal. And as we all know, after multiple fact checks over and over and over again, this is Iraqi money, I mean, Iranian money that was unfrozen as a part of the negotiation. So I think what you saw was a president who was resolute, but not uh, handing, not saying, uh, let's talk. What he was saying is, we are continuing to apply maximum pressure. And, um, and he didn't, you know, he didn't acknowledge anything that the Iranians may have done to in their proportionate response. And so I think this is a president who wants to let the American public know uh, that he is dealing from strength, that he is completely unbowed, and that he is uh, continuing to, to twist the knot here uh, against the Iranians. Jim, what did you hear? Uh Listen, I think it is true that the president feels he's dealing with, from a position of strength, but I, I will, with respect, I'll disagree with Gloria because I found it notable that the final words uh, in the president's speech, to the people of Iran, the U.S. is ready to embrace peace with all who seek it. It's not unlike President Obama's famous unclenched fist speech, mm. uh, which led over a number of years to negotiations with Iran and eventually the nuclear deal. Uh, and the president advertised what a potential negotiation could yield for Iran uh, in similar terms to the way he's advertised it for North Korea, saying that this will unleash great econo mm -hmm. economic opportunity for you and your people. 
It sounded to me like the president was at least, again, in the midst of a, of a larger message of strength, and we got the world's worst terrorist. He's talking about the killing of Soleimani and so on. He called the world's top terrorist, uh, reiterating his willingness to sit down at the table, again, on America's terms, but to embrace peace with all who seek it. I, I, don't, I don't think that's an insignificant statement. Call me, call me, um, call me something, what do you call me? A journalist. Where is it on CNN? Not one explanation, piece of proof, piece of anything for what was the imminent attack that led you to assassinate the number two of a sovereign country, violating international law. I don't hear Gloria Borger asking that question. I don't hear Jim Shudo asking that question. He was resolute. He was resolute. He had the military behind him. Oh, the drapes were wonderful. Uh, the President of the United States just illegally, in violation of international law, assassinated the sovereign uh, leader of Iran... Next to the Ayatollah, he's the number two. Has Iran sponsored terrorism? Yes. But if that's the standard, then why have we not taken out Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman in Saudi Arabia? Why have we not taken out Duterte in the Philippines? What about the leader of Colombia killing political dissidents? So now we're just going to take out bad guys around the world who are leaders in sovereign countries? This is the standard? It's just unbelievable to me. And you know what? I could keep ranting, but I think Tulsi Gabbard said it even better than me. Here's Tulsi Gabbard, the one time CNN will have her on. Here's what she had to say. Uh, we've heard Trump supporters and President Trump basically say, look, no American casualties. And we took out a bad guy, uh, Soleimani, a terrorist leader. Uh, what would your response to that be? Uh, well, first, you know, I just came from the intelligence briefing that the administration came and brought to Congress. Really, they provided vague comments no justification whatsoever for this illegal and unconstitutional act of war that President Trump took. You don't buy the imminence, imminent no. attack against Americans? No. They failed to provide any compelling information to prove their point of imminence. Uh, and really, it, it brings us to the central question here, which is, uh, is our country's national security better off because of Donald Trump's actions and decisions? The answer to that is no, in two primary ways. Number one is, Iran is now in a position where they're not really abiding by any restrictions from the Iran nuclear agreement. They're continuing to escalate in speed towards developing their own nuclear weapons capabilities, creating a greater threat for us, to our allies and partners, and to the world. And secondly, because the troops that we have in Iraq now and the additional ones that this administration is sending there are no longer focused on what their, what their mission there really has been, which is to prevent a resurgence of ISIS and al-Qaeda. Mm -hmm. The announcement from the commander that came from there that said, we're not doing that anymore because now we have to shift all of our efforts and focus in a defensive posture against Iran and Iranian-backed Shia militia. This leaves the door wide open for ISIS and al-Qaeda to start to reconstitute and to start to uh, be able to build a, a resurgence in their terrorist activities. What do you make of the argument made by Secretary of Defense Esper and others, which is like, look, Soleimani and the Iranian and the IRGC... Uh, the Islamic uh, Revolutionary Guard Corps, they've been attacking Americans for decades. Uh, and 
it, it's not a secret. You don't need intelligence on this. They killed an American contractor uh, at the end of December. If this administration wants to go to war with Iran, they need to come to Congress because Congress is the only body that has the authority based on our Constitution to decide whether or not to go to war with Iran or not. That has not happened. And that just shows the shallowness of the argument that the Trump administration is making, where on the one hand, they're saying it's because of an imminent threat. But on the other hand, they're saying, well, look at all of these things that have been happening for a long time. Once again, it comes back to this core question that our commander in chief must be able to answer, which is acting not in a, a reaction to say, well, we got to go take out a bad guy here, or a bad guy there. But what is in the best interest of the national security of our country? What is in the best interest of our safety and security as Americans? And I think Trump's actions and decisions here further highlight his lack of experience and understanding at a basic level and lack of foresight in national security and foreign policy, unnecessarily putting the American people further at risk. Couldn't have said it better myself. That was Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, obviously presidential uh, candidate. Doesn't look like she'll be in the next debate. Um, it doesn't look like Andrew Yang will be in the next debate. Uh, looks as of now that we're going to have five candidates in that debate. Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, and who am I forgetting? Uh, Mayor CIA, uh, Pete Buttigieg, excuse me. Tulsi Gabbard pointed out the obvious. Number one, what CNN failed to mention, they didn't even, they, Trump didn't explain what was the imminent attack. Where is the evidence? Because I know we just went to Iraq with with fake evidence, but hey, it's fine. We, you know, we got, we got oil out of it. We don't need to provide evidence to the American people. Oh, we're told for three and a half years that Trump is working with uh, Putin and the Russians, uh, you know, to hack uh, America and, you know, <laughs> Uh, take advantage of the polar vortex, uh, as Rachel Maddow said. Where's the evidence? We'll speculate for three years, but there is no evidence. That's what Robert Mueller told us. Uh, oh, you know, Maduro was on a plane ready to leave the runway from Venezuela. Where's the evidence? We don't know. There was no imminent attack. And what CNN left out in that display, if you call that journalism, Oh, Donald Trump was resolute. No, no. This is what Donald Trump has done. Am I happy that no American troops died last night? Of course. Is it great that no Iraqis died last night? Of course. I would venture to guess Iran dropped the missiles in a way where they knew or, or they, take great, they took great measures to not kill anyone. But what's amazing to me about this, Donald Trump assassinated the number two in Iran, right? In a span of a few days, Iran pulled out of the Iran nuclear deal, even though America had pulled out, there were other countries still honoring it, and Iran was still honoring it. They pulled out. Then you have Iraq, who, is anyone asking? I saw in front of my own eyes on television, on NBC News many years ago, the last troops in America leaving Iraq. Why the f*** are there troops in Iraq? Why do we have troops in Iraq? I thought the war was over. Because America, and I said this yesterday and I'll say it again, America, they're not a one night, we're not a one night stand kind of gal. We're not a slam, bam, thank you kind of guy, you know? When we go somewhere, we're committed. We're there for the ups, the downs, and the sideways. Why are we still in Iraq? Why is the corporate media talking about us being in Iraq like that was a known thing? I thought we were out of Iraq. 
That's one of the few good things I think Obama did. But no, we're still there. And by the way, do we really think this is it? Iran's just going to be like, yep, there's there's our retaliation. Now let's send Kumbaya. The cyber, the cyber attacks and the efforts at cyber attack are certainly underway. I mean, Donald Trump's speech, if you want to say victory, no one died last night, yes. But we're in war, folks. Don't even think for a second Iran is done. And I wouldn't, I would, hey, if it's not looking good for Trump, if his polls go down, if new head-to-head polls show Bernie is clobbering him or Biden is clobbering him, you don't think he'll start up again? To wrap this up, I got one more to show you, which I just couldn't believe when I saw this. Jake Tupperware, I mean Tapper, um, Jake Tupperware had uh, a little segment on, on Trump's speech. Tell me if you find something a little concerning about this. So if you look at this, the question is what now? And yeah. right now, the uh, effort against ISIS is frozen uh, because the military is focused on protecting bases in Iraq and in the Middle East. Uh, the Iraqis want the United States out of Iraq. That's not good for our national interests. Uh, we also have Iran has also de- decided they're not going to abide by any of the uh, nuclear commitments they've made. We may, we may have been on the path to that, but this kind of expedited that. And we have personnel around the world, military and diplomatic, who are on high alert. I, I don't know that that is a win. I don't think that is a win. David uh, Urban, uh, you're a 2020... <laughs> Come on, uh, Jen. <laughs> I'll get to you in a second. You're a 2020 uh, Trump campaign advisor. You're also a lobbyist. That you represent some defense industries. And you served in the Army. So those are all your credentials there. <laughs> I want you to take a listen to the former acting CIA director, Mike Morrell, who believes that the threat from Iran, the, the overt threat, is over. But... I think what's not over is the covert war. And I still think that down the road, we will see an Iranian terrorist attack against the senior officials. Sure. So, so let's, 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 let's like, do, does anybody really think that, Iran, that somehow Iran just had given up on harming America no, or Hezbollah of or Hamas was just going to sit back? No, they, they weren't. And we took off what this president did, this administration did, this Oh, so-and-so guess, you know, really you're a Trump advisor, you're a lobbyist really who lobbies for defense industries, i.e. private security, defense contractors. In, in Iraq, what are your thoughts on the display, night with a, with, Mr. With lobbyist for the defense industry? Leading protests outside the embassy. I mean, maybe people forget. I don't forget. You don't forget. I hope no one forgets that, you know, the, our embassy was stormed. Hostages were taken I mean, by, by, Iranian, by, by, by the, the Iranians before. I mean, executed and and I just can't take any more of this. Some of these same folks who are just, I can't. just eliminated. I, I so think the Iranian world is a much sick, yeah. Iranian yeah, back. Yeah, Iranian back. The world. I just can't take any more of this. Well, you know, what do you think, Mister Lobbyist? What do you think, Mister Lobbyist for the defense industry? I'd love to know. I mean, at least Jake Tapper disclosed it. At least Jake Tapper disclosed it, but. What, what What is the value in parading on military commanders and generals who all I have to do is Google it and see, oh, they're on the board of defense companies. Oh, they're, they work with defense contractors. Oh, they lobby for the defense industry. Why are these the people you're going to for analysis on war? These are the people who work to create and maintain war. Joe Biden, this is a piece of work. So Joe Biden, uh, obviously the media doesn't particularly care who Joe Biden raises money from. Obviously the media doesn't particularly care 
that Joe Biden is going around, you know, begging Wall Street for money. I just find it amazing because to Joe Biden's credit, I will give Joe Biden credit on this. He lets journalists into his fundraisers and we find out where they are and who, who they're with. So he's not hiding the corruption. Jen uh, put this together for us, uh, but I want to show you first. I tweeted this out the other day. Uh, this morning, middle-class Joe Biden held a fundraiser with giant Wall Street law firm Scotten Arps, sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, who's represented champions of the working class like DuPont, you know, DuPont, poisons multiple communities. There's a motion picture with Mark uh, Ruffalo about DuPont's criminal pollution and cover-ups. Pfizer, you know, has bribery uh, bribery cases in eight count, eight countries. Oh, I wrote, miswrote it. Eight countries. You know, those wonderful banks, J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, helped us tank the global economy, destroy your 401k. Those wonderful champions of the working class. That's that's where Joe Biden held a fundraiser in their office. I mean, you just can't make this up. You can't make it up. So who was that? Who was at this fundraiser? And of course, the media never covers these things. And this is why Joe Biden is literally considered to be a friend of the working class. Does this sound like a friend like the working class when he's doing fundraisers in in, in the top floor of Wall Street law firms? That sounds like a friend of the worker bee. It's just astounding to me. So who who was at this thing? We have, and I'm literally just reading from Jen's notes that she helped put together for me. Not help, she put them together for me. Um, Mark, main host, Mark Angelson, uh, chairman of the Biden Foundation, blah, 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 blah. He was uh, with R.R. Donnelly, American Fortune 500, uh, integrated communications company. The real ticker here, he was Rahm Emanuel's deputy mayor of Chicago. Oh, you know, you know, if he was working under Rahm Emanuel, they were doing real business for the working class there. You know, the Rahm Emanuel, 16 shots in a cover-up, who covered up the murder of Laquan McDonald, the I think he was a 17-year-old black man in Chicago. Rahm Emanuel's deputy ma- mayor. I'm sure this guy is super progressive, really cares about the working class. This one hurt me. Asher Edelman. Asher Edelman, i.e. the real Gordon Gecko. Asher, tra- he's a traitor. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm the real-life Gordon Gecko, and I support Bernie Sanders. So Gordon Gecko supported Bernie Sanders in 2016. The potential for depression looms on the horizon. The Vermont senator is the only candidate who could stop banks from spiraling out of control again. So it looks like Gordon Gecko, the real-life Gordon Gecko, had a come-to-Jesus moment in 2016 when it was Bernie Sanders versus Queen Hillary. But apparently, uh, apparently... He thinks we need to restore the soul of the country. And I'm not knocking him. I'm not trying to be like, oh, Gordon Gecko was good in 2016 because he was for Bernie and now he's bad. But I just find it interesting that Gordon Gecko, the real Gordon Gecko, uh, this guy, Escher, what? Gordon Gecko suddenly thinks like, oh, no, the banks aren't a big deal. Let Joe Biden go around, have campaign and champagne and caviar. We need to defeat Trump. You know, the voters won't care about a, a corrupt Wall Street servant like Joe Biden because obviously they didn't care that Hillary Clinton was a corrupt Wall Street servant. What are these people thinking? So now he's supporting the same exact candidate, Joe Biden, 
Hillary Clinton with a penis thinking that's going to defeat Donald Trump when it didn't defeat him in 2016? I just don't understand. I really don't. So, Mark Kaplan, um, counsel to Skadden Arps, again, the Wall Street law firm that Joe Biden's fundraiser was held in, that it represents DuPont, Pfizer, J.P. Morgan, Bank of America. Oh, it's just unbelievable, this guy. Unbelievable. He also, Drexel, uh, he also was the chief executive officer at Drexel Burnham Lambert, Inc., which is an American investment bank that was forced into bankruptcy in February 1990 due to its involvement in illegal activities in the junk bog Martin market driven by senior executives. Man, Joe Biden only surrounds himself with winners. Claire DeMates was a lobbyist on behalf of the aforementioned criminal DuPont. Gotta love it. Sports betting. Oh, this one, really. I had to ask Jen. I, I forgot who he was. Marcus Asner, former lawyer for Martin Shkreli. Remember that farmer bro? Martin Shkreli? I'm mispronouncing. You know, the guy who increased the prices of life-saving drugs from $13.50 a tablet to $750 a tablet. This guy? Oh, Joe Biden's just doing fundraisers with his lawyer. And before, before you start saying, no, this is not a Mitt Romney fundraiser. This was Joe Biden's fundraiser the other morning. This is not Mitt Romney's fundraiser. This is not a Paul Ryan fundraiser. This is not Chamber of Commerce. This is Joe Biden. Oh, God. Another Scadden attorney. Again, the law firm that represents DuPont, represents Pfizer, Bank of America, J.P. Morgan. You got Bart Friedman, a lawyer for Big Pharma. He's a partner and senior counsel at Cahill, Gordon, and Rindle, and also serves on multiple corporate boards, including that of New York-based Ovid Therapeutics, a biopharmaceutical company that manufactures drugs that treat rare neurological disorders. Ooh, Ovid is a member of the Biotechnology Innovation Organization, a pharmaceutical trade that is a member of the Partnership for Americans Healthcare Fund, the front group going after Medicare for All and attacking Medicare for All. I mean, I could keep reading this, but... Oh, Alex Katz does government relations, i.e. lobbying for Blackstone. Blackstone is the company that has the most invested in fossil fuel projects. I mean, I'll give it. Oh, corporate... Gary Natfil is corporate defense lawyer, also a former lawyer for a Saudi Arabian Saudi Arabian banker. Sean Nounted, lawyer defending against securities fraud. I mean, are you kidding me? Jen, we might have, you might have to write a story on this. You really might have to write a story on this. Joe Biden. Joe Biden in one conference room has has lawyers for criminal companies like DuPont, J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, Pfizer. He has lobbyists for those companies in the same room. He has the lawyer for Martin Shkreli. I'm mispronouncing his last name. Farmer bro, who I think the price gouging was 700 or some insane amount for life-saving HIV drugs, among other drugs that they 
price gouged. Oh, by the way, he was just moved from his prison to another prison where he was found doing similar shady stuff. He had a cell phone they snuck in for him and he was still operating his pharma company and doing shady things. This is the people that Joe Biden surrounds himself with. And we're supposed to sit, you know, listen, you want to make the argument? We just got to get rid of Trump. Okay, get rid of Trump. So we could have the return of the Gordon Geckos all around us. You want you want to replace on fire broccoli with severely burnt and disgusting broccoli. And and besides like the immoral nature of all this, besides the sleazy nature, besides the fact that Joe Biden will jump as high as you tell him for that cash, besides the fact that when Joe Biden becomes president, if he becomes president, he's going to surround himself with all of these same people and we're just going to, you know, you think this you think under Joe Biden this is going to get any better? Please. All that wealth going to the top 1%, a.k.a. theft. Besides the fact that this is just sleazy, disgusting, and terrible, Shkreli, thank you. Do you not think that Donald Trump is going to be able to muddy the waters to cancel out his own corruption the same way he did against Hillary Clinton by pointing all this out? Do you not think that when Joe Biden goes after Donald Trump for giving tax cuts to the to the rich and the corporations and cutting food stamps and doing all these terrible things, that Donald Trump's not going to just point at being like, you took more money from Wall Street than anyone. Look at the people you're surrounding yourself, your son, $50,000 a month in Ukraine. You doing private jets with campaign money. You having DuPont executives, DuPont lobbyists, Pfizer lobbyists around you. Donald Trump is beatable. Everybody says he's so hard to beat. I think he can be beaten. But you cannot beat Donald Trump with a, you know, if Donald Trump is the Budweiser of corruption with the Budweiser light of corruption. You can't beat Donald Trump with like, I don't know. Diet Coke versus Coke. Joe Biden would get demolished. And by the way, by the way, this kind of record is exactly what will depress the vote for the black voters that a Democratic nominee would need to come out. Hillary Clinton lost 5% of the black vote in 2016 compared to Obama in 2012. This kind of record, this kind of funding, this kind of sleaziness is exactly what will depress the vote among Latinos. Hillary Clinton lost 5% of the Latino vote compared to Obama in 2012. This kind of record is what will depress the vote for age 18 to 29. If Biden is the nominee, Hillary Clinton lost 6% of the 18 to 29 vote compared to Obama of 2012. While Joe Biden is raising money from DuPont lobbyists and DuPont attorneys and Wall Street lawyers and a who's who of the scum of America and the attorney for Martin Shkreli, who's price gouging, life-saving HIV drugs, among other things. Corporate media is trying to attack Bernie Sanders 
and try and make our revolution comparable to the super PACs raising money for Joe Biden. I'm not even going to bother reading you this ridiculous New York Times story, but the New York Times is now calling our revolution. Excuse me. I correct myself. The Associated Press wrote this. The New York Times reprinted it. They're calling our revolution a super PAC for Bernie Sanders and trying to point it out, trying to make it seem that Bernie Sanders is a hypocrite. He's against super PACs, but he has his own hypocrite. Uh, He has his own super PAC. So first of all, first of all, uh, to be consistent, some of you might not like this, but I got to keep it real. I do find one thing about our revolution troubling. As far as I could see, they do not disclose or they haven't disclosed in a, in a while who their top donors are. They do not disclose that and that is wrong. That was a complaint, if you remember, in 2016 and a lot of people in leadership at our revolution resigned in the beginning because the, our revolution set themselves up where they wouldn't disclose who their top donors were. I don't have any reason based on Bernie Sanders' record, to believe that there is, you know, the Koch brothers are giving money to our revolution and our revolution is trying to hide it. I have no reason to believe that, like, you know, the same scum showing up at Joe Biden's events are funding our revolution. I have no reason to believe that. But you got to be consistent. I can't, I can't attack dark money on other candidates and then be like, it's fine. For, for Bernie Sanders. So I think our revolution should disclose who's funding it. Putting that aside, the, the Associated Press is comparing our revolution, which in that article, it said like the average donation is $20 to Joe Biden's super PAC, to the people in the wine caves giving money to Pete Buttigieg. By the way, Bernie Sanders, other than founding our revolution doesn't have any involvement with our revolution. I think he was on a call last year to celebrate their third year anniversary, but that's it. He has no day-to-day involvement with it. Secondly, our revolution, yeah, it, it promotes Bernie's campaign online and things like that, but our revolution isn't doing, our revolution doesn't do commercials in Iowa and New Hampshire and Nevada and California and South Carolina for Bernie Sanders. It's absurd, this comparison. But they're trying anything to hang around Bernie Sanders' head. And and I told you, I do think they should release who their donors are. I don't think they're anything. I don't think it's anything. I don't think there's anything that they're hiding. But you got to be consistent. We can't be progressive and criticize dark money elsewhere, but not walk the walk ourselves. But this story is such ridiculous bullshit. There is no uh, comparison. There's no um, equal footing. There's no equal anything. But this is what the corporate media is trying to do. And that gem, and I told you when these nice articles were coming out about Bernie, when the New York Times started saying Bernie's going to be tough to beat, when Politico said, oh, you know, Bernie's getting people worried. He might win. CNN just did a piece. Bernie Sanders could win this thing. I warned you, this is the niceties before they drop the last bombs. Fears of Sanders win growing among the Democratic establishment. I'll read you the first. 
increasingly alarmed that Bernie Sanders should become the, their party's presidential nominee, establishment-minded Democrats are warning primary voters that the self-described Democratic Socialists would struggle to defeat President Donald Trump and hurt the party's chances in premier House, Senate, and governor's races. The urgent warnings come as Sanders shows new signs of strength on the ground in the first two states on the presidential primary calendar, Iowa and New Hampshire, backed by a dominant fundraising operation. The Vermont senator has largely largely escaped close scrutiny over the last year. I'm not going to read the rest. You know what's amazing to me? First of all, what planet do these people live in that Bernie Sanders has largely avoided scrutiny in the last year? Bernie Sanders has been the most scrutinized politician in the United Corporations of America for the last four years. More than Barack Obama, more than Hillary Clinton. That's a fact. The Washington, all you got to do is go to the Washington Post to look. So this idea that he hasn't been scrutinized, that he hasn't faced critical coverage, it's, it's just like, it's like Kellyanne Conway's alternative facts. That's number one. Number two, can I ask a question? Why is the Associated Press, why is Politico, why are all these places writing stories about what the political democratic establishment thinks when the political democratic establishment is a bunch of f***ing losers, when the political democratic establishment lost to an orange orangutan, when the political democratic establishment told us Al Gore's more electable, when the political democratic um, establishment told us John Kerry's more electable. When the political democratic establishment told us Hillary Clinton's the most electable. Who the f*** cares what Democratic Party insiders think? They don't understand what the actual pulse of America is. Who cares? Why do they write these stories? Why do they wax poetic? Oh, the, 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 the establishment is so concerned. Because the corporate media is part of that establishment. They are at the same exact events with these swine. They trade access for puff pieces like that from the Associated Press. I don't give a damn what David Brock thinks. I don't even know if he was quoted in that piece. I don't give a damn what Neera Tandon thinks. I don't give a damn what any of them thinks. Nobody should. In, in, a, in a sane society, they would be forced to exit the building. They lost to a reality TV star used car salesman. Not only is it a disgrace that they lost, it's a disgrace that it was even close to begin with. George Carlin famously said, it's a, it's a, it's a big club and you ain't in it.